0: To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode.
1: I don't remember a point removing a tour because, oh, it's just, you know, it's not pulling its weight. No, no, no. Maybe it take a year, but eventually it'll start getting traction. Because you have to believe in in the item. You know why you went through the trouble of creating this product. There's a reason. There's something there. But it's a little off the beaten path. So whether you're going to have to really sell customers on it through other tours they take or wait to get enough reviews to get some traction with an algorithm. What do I care? It'll sit there. And when it's ready, it's going to be ready. We know it's a great product. So, yeah, as long as you have a few what I call anchors, right? The Louvre is an anchor. The Met in New York. Those are your anchors. From there you have a customer for for life. They'll, they'll follow you any city and any other tour that they can maybe have time while they're there to do, they're going to, they're going to do it.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Tourpreneur. I'm Mitch Bach and today my guest is Arnaud Azule, who runs Babylon City Tours. Babylon Tours are walking tours around the globe. He is one of the vaunted international brands of day tour operators and so uh, Arnaud has a lot of wisdom about scaling businesses, about hiring guides, and everything else along the way. So a huge welcome to have you here on Tourpreneur, Arnaud. Thank you, Mitch. Can you just begin by giving us a quick story of what led you into tour operating?
1: Okay, I'll try to be brief. So I moved to Paris after I had my first child with my wife, who's from Paris. We were in Los Angeles when he was born, and then um, quickly realized that No one else around us had families and kids at our age, so we should maybe go back to where she's from and start a new life. And at that point, we were very young and ambitious. and Well, why not? We'll just start over and go to France and quickly decided to move there and uh, quickly realized that I didn't speak French as well as I thought I did. And it's going to be really hard to find an actual job speaking French, so I should probably speak English. And uh, I think I was at my kind of the end of the line (laughs) and having no luck sitting in a park eating a sandwich and i heard someone giving a tour behind me in english to a large group of people and i'm like you know i think i could probably do that and even quite a bit better um so i looked online i think it was craigslist at the time and found this opening for free tours so uh, i started working for sandeman's new europe and uh loved it right away just totally got better every day, worked hard at it, learned all the tours, met all the guides and just, you know, my wife kind of thought it was a joke when I told her I'm going to be a, a tour guide for free <laughs> and we'll make tips. But we are laughing all the way to the bank every day, cash in hand. And pretty soon after I kind of said like, well, this is great and a lot of fun. And I love what I do, but it doesn't really have what's the future in this. I was older than most of the guides. The time I was 30, they were in their, you know, late teens, 20s. I'm just like, well, there has to be some kind of End game. So, because I love tours so much, we're in Paris. I decided to kind of do my own thing, which I want to focus on museum tours. Uh, I love art. Kind of always been an artist, musician, theater, just performing and stuff. But it felt natural to say, "Hey, a lot of people just come here and they're overwhelmed by the Louvre, you know." And even I never stepped foot since I moved there because it's just it's too much to handle. It's so overwhelming; you don't know where to begin. So I started kind of creating my own crash course to the Louvre kind of, you know, basically go there and say, you know, I conquered, I did it. And I didn't spend the whole day getting lost. I just saw everything I need to see and I know my way around. So that's what I did. And I basically just told people at first, I'd stand out front and just say, I'll give you a tour for free, just leave me a review. And it worked really well. So they just paid for their entry, left me a review at the end. And pretty soon I was just like the number one Louvre guide by myself in paris and i'm like okay well i gotta get more guests so i can kind of think long term and i begged viator at the time before it was TripAdvisor advisor to take me and it took six months of begging before they just finally i got their attention with all the reviews and they're like okay today anyone can be on viator back then it was really difficult curated at least yeah. i found it was um mm-hmm. but once they got me i remember i was on actually vacation with my family and all these emails started coming in, like bookings, 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 and it was overwhelming. <laughs> and I was still doing tours for and I'm like, okay, first of all, I gotta stop that. I don't have time and now I gotta find more guides. So I would start training other guys that I knew and then branching out more and more. And then pretty soon I was too busy to even do tours myself, so I was just hiring. But um, very early on, it was successful. We realized that we needed to, uh, me and my partner, actually, Dario, who was in Paris still, we realized that we would need to kind of maybe take on more cities because, you know, my wife said it best. What if something were to happen, you know, what if, uh, what if things aren't so good What if the reviews, aren't so great. And, you know, you need to have backups and it's always uh, been the best advice she gave at the time. So we opened a smaller city Amsterdam to kind of have something smaller to manage from a distance. Can we manage something without being there every day? And uh, we did it pretty well. So from Amsterdam, we jumped to London and then now we have 10 cities and some are easier than others to start, but we're getting a good formula going.
0: You make tour operating sound so easy. You just sort of glided your
1: way into operating intensities. We don't have a lot of overhead. I don't hire a lot of people. We just use guides. It's myself. It's my partner. This year we took on some assistance. Um, he has one in Paris. I have two now, one uh, just for time zone reasons because I'm in, Los Angeles, and most of our tours are in Europe or on the East Coast, nothing on the West Coast currently. So to help manage time and, and, and help me expand to even more cities and more tours, it, it eventually had to happen. But that's 10 years in. I mean, we did everything, him and I. So it never was, you know, so much to handle. Like, well, we just won't take a tour if we can't take a tour. You know, it was never a question of, oh, we have to have this. We have to have this person, and this person, and this team. If we need something, we outsourced it by necessity at the time. And it's always been kind of the rules. Just never, you know, don't grow bigger than you are. It's the organic growth. Talk to me about running a lean operational department,
0: not a huge team, but managing so many different cities. How are how are you doing that? How is your back office sort of organized?
1: I run off text message, WhatsApp, Google spreadsheets. We um, use Fair Harbor. Uh, plug for Shane out there <laughs> <laughs> but we've been with them for, for a long time so uh besides that so now I'm taking on uh, Podium for the text message just so you know I was doing every text message manually myself for years but now Podium does that but I was much better at it than them were you impersonating a bot or were you saying, hi,
0: this is literally the company founder you're talking to about our opening hours? You know what?
1: No. And and by the way, from time to time, when Podium's down, I'll, I'll shoot a text. I love talking to my customers. By the way, that's, I think, why we've always been so successful. I, I put the customers above, you know, the guides, sorry. But you know what I mean? Like, in the end, if they're not there and they're not happy, then you don't have work to come to. So it goes like that. It's customers, then guides, and then everyone else. So what always set us apart is that, you know, you're not going to get some person that's just reading a script and has a frequently asked question list to read off of. You're going to get me or, you know, an associate getting back to you and saying, Hey, what's the problem? How can I help you? Um, And it's always been that way. So even though we're using apps, the apps are sending that message, which is right back. If this is going on, or if you need this, or if there's a problem with that, and then you're going to get me or now an assistant to, you know, or manager to write back and and handle it appropriately. So they love calling and getting someone on the phone. You call the number on my website, it goes to my cell phone. That's me. So it's rare. You don't get that many calls. People book online. They don't want to do that, but they're happy to say, oh, wow, I get a real person. This is great. Your
0: uh, website says essentially you offer private and semi-private tours. So Mm -hmm. you're going after a customer who is not necessarily – very price sensitive. They're paying slightly for a premium product that is smaller groups, more engaging. What kind of customers uh, does Babylon attract?
1: I think essentially it's really people that are now a lot of repeat business, but for the first time they just read the reviews and they truly really want a, a great experience. They don't want to waste time. Um, they want to see everything and, and have a good experience that you just you know read the reviews and you see, compare them, like, oh, am I going to have this experience that's 50, 50 chance. I might hate it or, you know, have a good time with a large group or am I going to just get a wonderful guy that's going to take us with me. Uh, If I'm in a couple, maybe uh, two other couples, it's pricey, but it's always from the beginning what I want to do. So I honestly would rather not take more than six people. We used to be just six and we raised it to eight, but it it makes a big difference. So besides like super busy seasons, I try to keep it to six or, or, or less. And if I have eight people and it's a slower season, I'd rather put two guys to work and go four and four. So again, better for the guys they are working more, better experience for the clients. So yeah, I'll make less, but I know that experience is what everyone's going to talk about and bring in more business. So it's always, it always made sense.
0: How are you acquiring your customers? Are you doing a lot of direct bookings? Is it still primarily OTA driven? What does that look like? OTA for sure
1: um which has always been the case and I used to spend a lot of time energy and money in um in various marketing you know and I realized you know in the end I'm putting so much money in that I'd rather just not have to think about that and that money is already going to commission to OTAs which are bringing in so much business anyway like they're I'm paying them to do that work and really at the end of the day I'd look to my numbers and what I'm spending to try and get these customers is about the same, you know, so just giving the commission somewhere else. So I'll just handle the the business way. I like doing like the, that stuff does not interest me. I never went into this as a real, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, competitors or peers, it's just, they're, they're into tech, they're marketing their business school. Like that's just not me. It never was. So let me just focus on what I do and do well and, and, that's it. Send the business. I'm happy to pay for the clients. Look, there's a premium for that. And like I said, the tours are expensive, but they, they have to be great because there's no way to get the good results we get unless they're great. So let me worry about that. Let me make the product great. Have you
0: had fears of, Algorithms changing suddenly, uh, losing your positions. Uh, what are what are the things that keep you up at night in terms of uh, your relation your your relationship with these sales channels?
1: When the algorithms change, it helped us tremendously uh, last time. So I guess they could reverse that and we'd be just as good as we were, which was already great. I mean, look, it's I don't know. We're, I feel like consistent quality and consistent, you know. Excellence of what you do—that you, you can't. There's no one to blame. Them. Like this is just out of your hands. We do everything we can. So yeah, um, I'm not relying so much on anything else besides how good our tours are. The algorithms just—they—they they see that, right? But now you can—you can pay for better positioning, right? You can give more commission and get higher up. In the end, mm-hmm. they're going to read the tour descriptions, the reviews, and they're going to make that choice. And customers are taking more time. They, they are going to spend this money. They're going to make sure they they're going to have the best chance of the best experience. So they'll find you. Have you indulged in the Accelerate program with Viator? Of or... course. I mean, I don't want to say I was bullied into it, but I like it. Like I said, like we're already, <laughs> we're
0: already paying already <laughs> I think them. you just did. We're already, <laughs>
1: we're already paying them a fortune. You know what I mean? Like, what happened after the pandemic? We had to raise all our prices just for inflation alone. Mm-hmm. Like... So already that's it. So in that space, we were t- able to create some wiggle room, meaning in Europe, we're making euros, but in the end, our company is a US company. Those dollars have to translate. And now we've lost like 20% <laughs> since we first offering tours. So we had to already raise prices for that, just to, to forget inflation, but just the Euro dollar account, right? And then of course we have to pay our guides more because inflation, they're gonna get more pay. Pay the guides more. So everyone's getting a little more, Viator comes and says, hey, if you want to make sure to keep getting the best clients, the best business, you can pay a little more. I said, Great. And the scheme of things like it just it made sense. There was that cushion kind of built in when we came back. We did, we did all our prices. And uh, and there was a fear, maybe people won't pay that, you know, but but they're paying. I mean, people just want, you know, and and they're loving it. So if there was ever a sense that, oh no, it's not worth it, then we would change things. It has to be worth it. Besides the review
0: quality, are there things you've thought about on your OTA listings in order to try and differentiate yourself or to set yourself apart from what is a, a very big marketplace in these big cities? I, I want to say that I co- I coined the
1: term semi private, although I don't think it's true. But I think I'd like I to like say that. it. I, I, I like that. it. I know that no one said it mm-hmm. in our space, really. And then I said it and everyone started saying it. So, so that was fun for a while. And then Viator's like, they're slowly making us change our titles. Like, yo, you can't say semi-private because messes with their algorithm. And I'm like, I don't really care. They're going to find me. Like, it, it looks good. It's true. Like, you can't call it a small group. I'm sorry. Uh, those who shall remain unnamed are selling small groups with 15 to 25 people all day. This is not the same thing. This is definitely not that. So it should have its own category. And so I try to put that across, or at least if in the title, I'll put the guest max, if I can't say semi-private, so it's clear. And, and that should be enough. Like just going that to get you kind of to look, say, oh, well, there's says that. Let me check the other companies where they're at. and Then in their details, you'll find it hidden. You know, so that helps. But there's a lot of people who do what I do now, too. Like they see it works. Guides start their own companies. They're good. They do. They that's great, you know it's it's fine. I never felt there was like fighting over clients, not the cities we do tours in, not the tours we do. you know mm-hmm. you're not going to run out of clients. we're mm-hmm. not fighting over it. there's there's plenty of business when things are going well and it's high season or even you know a little bit slower it's it's fine, and uh, yeah, so it's never felt that super competitive. I just want to you know the inner me just wants to be the best at it secretly, but not so secretly. There's
0: a word that you brought up earlier. Uh, and we glossed over it which is repeat customer i think Mm -hmm. in the day tour world it's it's a real just got to get more and more new customers because there aren't a lot of repeat customers for walking tours you go to one city and you don't repeat uh what has been your journey in attracting these kinds of people that come back over and over again for a babylon tour You said it's growing.
1: That comes from my Sandman's training, I'd have to say. Very early on. Shout out to Chris. Their their concept. Oh, yeah. Chris, Dave. um, Their concept was just Mm. fantastic. And they would get, forget repeat. I mean, these people are for for life. Every city they go and they'll do all the tours. They love it. you know. Mm -hmm. And it it made sense. It's like, I had the best time. And this guy's doing a tour somewhere else later this afternoon. I'm going to cancel my plans and do that. I don't want to be, you know, risk getting or seeing seeing an area I didn't even know existed or heard about, or, you know, thought about. So, so we're not doing sales pitches necessarily. I think just the experience itself is enough for the customers to, you know, get a follow-up email saying what else we offer or where else we offer tours. And that is a big benefit of having multiple cities. And especially when you're in Europe, um, because chances are someone's not just going to France and then coming back home, you know, they're going to hop around. And if you're in those key cities and, they had a great time, it makes sense, so that's what happens and then what's amazing is um people that pre pandemic that are coming back and they want the same guy that they had three years ago they remember the name and they're like, "I have to have can you get me a trip can we you know and months in advance they reserve it and it's it's great and it's awesome, and especially when I don't even know they're repeating they just you know tell me, oh, I had this experience today it was great in New York and I did Paris three years ago. It's like who remembers who remembers the names of tour operators like it's 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 amazing, and it's, uh, it's really special. So we had it, and it wasn't obviously it took time to get there, but the more cities you operate in, the longer you do, you're going to get that, and, and we're getting a lot more.
0: I know a lot of operators dream of opening up a, a second city, and I was wondering what some of the challenges were that you experienced in trying to expand, especially when you're not physically there.
1: Well, you need one good guy. That's always my philosophy. One mm. good guide. And that might be the hardest part, right? So you got to go to the city. You got to decide this is where I'm doing my tours. These are the kind of tours I want to do. Hopefully by then you kind of know your niche. Um, but then that's it. You got to find that guide and you got to hope that guide is is uh, going to trust yeah. you. Because yeah. I remember opening cities early on and saying, oh, well, you know, we do tours in Paris. Like, well, I never heard of you. I don't know. Who you. Are. So it's, it takes a lot of convincing. But, you know, if you can get them with a few customers and you know, get them kind of enjoying the ty- type of tour they're doing and making some tips and you know, saying, look, this is coming. And I promise you, I, I promise a lot. I promise we're always going to be number one in the city. Like, you're going to be the best guide or the best tour in the city. Give me a few years. Let's, let's do this together. Let's make magic happen. But that guide is the key. And that guide will know everyone. They know all the guides. They know who's great, who's not great. They know who's backup. They know who speaks different languages. Yep. Which is also a way to expand. You don't have to do another city. Why not do a different language? Why not do five different languages? Which we do in some cities. <laughs> You've got the name for it. Yeah, that's how it started originally. It took a lot, a long time to get there. That that is not the easiest thing to to do. You know, eventually we'd like to do the old languages in semi-private, for example, but it's just takes a while to get there. So they're only available in private tours in some cities. Um, Like I said, we're not in a rush. We grow as we can. We're not going to just find anyone to do a tour in German. It has to be the right, you know, right guide, the right Babylon guide. It doesn't change just because it's a different language. So it takes a little more time and those clients are, you know, coming less than Americans coming. So it's, you know, it can be seasonal. It depends. But yeah, so just, just my my advice would be go there, find a guide and uh, give that guide whatever they want to, to get things started and, and
0: it'll happen. How are you retaining your guides? Guides can be flighty. They'll move when there's a better offer. Are you incentivizing them in some way or
1: just offering them a lot of work? I think I offer work. I think I, I asked them for feedback. And some of us, you know, some of them have been with us for years. So so they're able to, you know, kind of gauge the situation from from their point of view and, and, and feedback to us because we're, we're friends. Right? I like to think we are. A lot of the guides... So so we get a sense of how they're feeling, you know, obviously working with us is different than other companies. Other companies are not that they're working for, are not working with the same numbers. So sometimes it's, you know, Oh, well, with you, it's less money for a longer tour. And how do you balance that? Why would they work with you? Well, I hope that, you know, they know we're coming from a good place and we're always increasing payments based on what we can uh, at any time, but also we want to do incentives. So, if they help us grow, then they should grow as well. So we do review incentives, trip advisor review, you know, where you can increase your pay based on on that. And also, there's there used to be we're going to implement again, like kind of you know their own code. So if you go to the website, they each had their codes, so they can get a, a commission on any t- other tours. These repeat customers, in theory, would book those kind of things. And I think also being expensive tours. Uh, a lot of the affluent clients will tip well i mean we encourage tipping we never said it's included so no one should think that that's the case absolutely if you had a great time you should tip your guide and when someone sees someone tip their guide in the semi-private group then they're going to feel bad if they don't tip so and now with venmo and all these apps it's easier to do that even if they don't have cash on them you can still guilt them into giving a nice tip (laughs) so yeah i think it. You'd have to ask them, but there's a reason they're still here. And I think in the end, it's when they're complaining, we listen. If they're complaining, and I'm always trying to be ahead of it, like, you know, sensing, am I sensing that they're working less? Am I saying, I'll follow up with them, hey, I haven't seen you on the schedule. Are you away? Have you been tired? You know, and that's it. Sometimes we part ways. Sometimes it's not a right fit, but uh, for the most part, we're, we try to, we don't want to always be changing. That's, that's tough. We want people that are familiar. We like that. And we take on new guys all the time, but it's not supposed to be temporary or backup. It's supposed to be long term. We want them to stay with us. So we try to keep everyone happy. Are you in the mood as
0: a businessman to experiment with these new technologies or diversification of your tour products or the way in which you connect with your customer? Or are you kind of a, you know, we're a walk in tour company. That's what we're going to do. We do it best. Not going to bother.
1: Yeah, I don't want to say I'm I'm analog, but I think um, you can't duplicate that experience. You know, you can't replicate. Rather, you can't. You have to be there. I'm sorry, you can't just. Sh- I mean, we show art. We're, we're a museum. You say walking tour? Really, we're a museum tour operator. That's where we are. Walking tours are like around the cities that we give museum tours in. That's how we we build each city. What museums are in that city of interest? Let's open a. Uh, that city and then tours around it that maybe thematically or historically have interest in walking tours in the districts. Right. But I, I don't want to see art, uh, you know, even if it's on my 4k HD, whatever TV, like it's just not the same as, you know, being there and seeing the walls around you. Like, you know, it's, it's I don't see it being replicated maybe in the metaverse. We can do a walk through the Louvre and that, that might be of interest, but right now it's just not there for me. I can't even get a good phone call, let alone, uh, you know, FaceTime conversation, let alone, I don't know, a guy that's halfway across the world. I just don't, right now, I don't see it having a great impact on us. And I, I think, you know, as long as these museums stay open and this cities and borders stay open, uh, we'll be able to do this for forever. I think uh, these buildings are, are there for that. That's what they're there for. They want to be shown. It's really interesting and in, in a sense
0: you've you've carved out a large but narrow niche in cities and your expansion is horizontal to other cities it's uh doing something similar in all these cities while remaining very true to your i guess core product identity
1: or your core business identity yes um like i said i, I do what i know how to do and and it's it's if it's stopping to work then and i'll try and pivot or you know but it's not a pandemic that's gonna say oh it's not working anymore it's like no no that's just a pandemic it's nothing to do with what we do what we were doing is you know doing fine and doing well and people you know just like over here on the west coast we have in and out burger they just sell burgers you know and (laughs) they're killing all the competition but you can't get a chicken nugget there you can't you know it's and everyone's like, you know, scratching their heads. Why don't they do this? Why don't they expand? Well, they're fine. They're, they know what they're doing. So, I'm not comparing myself to Not Burger, but I get the concept of just staying true to what you, your concept is, and uh, and growing that way, growing that way, moving forward, and not getting too overwhelmed and too spread out and too, too crazy. Don't panic. Everything's gonna be fine. Just keep the quality good.
0: Yeah, I, I, I it's just I see so many day tour operators diversifying getting their tentacles into all sorts of different things from food tours to museum tours to bus tours to everything else and yeah i really like your in and out philosophy because it probably appeals to a lot of operators uh, assuming they can achieve a certain level of volume or stability in their market around that around that philosophy
1: yeah it it, it is true it's it's a luxury but it's not like it it just happens you know what i mean this has got to be all about knowing what you want to do and giving the quality so it, it'll come now again if i'm showing something in a museum that no one cares about or wants to see fine but you know choose wisely and believe in it and keep at it and do it yourself know your tours like you know i mean like now okay fine i don't we opened the art institute in chicago tour but i never gave a tour there but i did spend you know two days you know trying to make it my temple you know get into mm-hmm. it and and Immerse yourself to say, look, what is the best way to experience this place, and and how how do you want it? There's a story. You can't just point to. Pain. It, it, I, I started my Louvre tour. It was, it was all chronology. It was a history of art because that's what it is. They have everything, you know, from the beginning of art till well, modern art. Let's say at least, and then you can continue to the Orsay, and you can go up till, you know more recently you go to the Pompey, do so. I was like, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we make these three museums tell the story of art all the way up to contemporary art. And if you want to know the history of art and understand, you know, what it means and why this, you know, block of wood on a white canvas is considered art today. Well, maybe if you learn actually everywhere it's gone to, maybe you can have an opinion by the end. That's better than just saying, Oh, well, that's not art. Well, maybe it isn't, but at least you can have the knowledge for someone that didn't take or care about art history. By the end, you care and you have questions and you're interested. So I want that client that doesn't know that they're interested to be at the end, uh, very moved in some way and inspired. Maybe they won't become an artist, but they'll definitely know a lot more than when they went into it. Is that a specific product strategy? The
0: idea of selling three tours almost as a bundle of the history of art, or is it?
1: No, it came, it came by it came by accident. But in the end, that's what it is. Like, I, I didn't realize what it was going to be. It, it, it could have been anything. Yeah, I guess, I mean, do you sell that? Do you, do you
0: sell that as an opportunity? Uh, or it's just kind no, of how you think about it? We, we
1: did. we, we did. Well, I think what got us really going in Paris was uh, the combo tour. So, again, one thing I might not have created was semi-private. But the combo tour of two museums, that I definitely did. That I started in Paris uh, with the Louvre and Orsay. And the reason I did it was because it was the history of art up till modern art. Because where the Louvre leaves off uh, the end of the 1800s is where, you know, the Orsay continues. And I didn't know that until I started doing the tours, really, like, until I knew the Louvre. I'm like, where's the rest of the art? Like, oh, well, if you want to see the Impressionists, I'll have to go to the Orsay. I'm like, well, okay. So I went over there. I'm like, oh, but it's not just Impressionists. That's like one floor. This is actually goes much further and much more detailed and the artists they have is amazing so i'm like well let's do that let's do a history of art we'll start at the louvre we'll start at the beginning and not just the art but the history of the building when this room was built and all you know as best as we can chronologically which fit like by accident like just kind of set up that way but no one tells you that but I don't want to give that all away either. Like, why is it a great experience? It's a secret. Come on the tour. You're going to see. You're going to learn the history of art. If you do both these museums, and then that's the selling point for the guides. If the person only booked the Louvre tour, well, you know what? You should definitely do the Orsay because this is just the beginning. Now it just starts getting interesting. We'll go to the Orsay. We'll show you the rest. And if then they still want more, then for sure, tonight we only do evening tours of the Pompidou. Is that an accident? No. Because I know that at the end, if they want to do that tour and go up to modern day, then it's possible too, but let the guides explain that. Let them be wow. Um, but the combo originally did have that in mind. I don't know if we sold it that way. It's possible, but I think it just, uh, it definitely has that experience. You, you'll, you'll, it'll click in and in the middle, when you're having your lunch, you'll start talking about what we saw and what's next. And I like that. I like having that moment to just connect during the lunch break if you want to go with your guests, if they want to go on their own, fine. But usually they want to kind of pump you information. Oh, what's it like living here? Where do I go to food tonight? That's time where you don't have to be a guide, where you can connect with your clients. So I always tell them, look, you can go away for lunch and meet them back at the next museum. But I'd rather you say, hey, I know a great place. You guys want to come with me? 99% of the times these people will buy your lunch because they know they're going to have you circle their maps and <laughs> give them names and addresses. And mm. Do people still circle maps? I don't think so. Of course,
0: that Gallery Lafayette map is still ubiquitous in Paris, isn't it? That giant. Uh, good. Yes. Long giant. Place. Yeah. With all the buses and trains. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's brilliant. I think, I think the power of being able to sell your guests something else that you offer while they're in the city based on the quality of the experience that they have with you on that first tour
1: is so important. Is so important. I've worked yeah, with uh, Chris Sandeman. Is, shout out! I tell you, genius. That that concept and, and I understood it right. I'm like, this can work. And not just that, another city, and it won't even be the same guide. It'll be the same quality. That's what we want to convey to our guests. Any yeah. city, any tour,
0: and and that's what you're promising. You're saying our brand stands for quality, a there quality pri- uh, semi-private experience with a guide that you know is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Don't don't or scroll private. anymore.
1: Yeah. So we have, to, we have to stick to it. That's kind of, that's what it's always been. So we're not going to change now. I mean, it just, it, it works. And uh, you just add guides if you get more customers, hopefully, and add cities. And just because I like to travel and see new museums, I really enjoyed getting lost in the Art Institute. We opened Chicago, we have one tour and four guides still. That was April, so it's almost over a year ago. I just haven't had time to, to add on. I can't wait to, I can't wait to add more museums and more guides and stuff but we're, we're already I think number 10 on TripAdvisor in, in Chicago just for that one tour so it can be done Like we did done small you don't have to think oh huge big we need a lot of this we need a lot of that no one tour four guides mostly just part-time you can be in the top 10 of any city the uh, uh
0: reviews are always being driven to TripAdvisor that's what you're always asking them for
1: have you experimented <sighs> yeah. do you care about Google I don't like on Google that you really can BS your reviews and you don't even have to write anything. You can just put a star up. Yeah. So yes. I mean, I guess if I really wanted to be big on Google reviews, I guess I could be in like an hour in, at that rate. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of BS like TripAdvisor is pretty hard. It's hard. Cause I know, cause even when there's reviews that shouldn't be there, like not fake reviews, but like for the wrong business, that happens yeah. all the time. People take a tour the to Louvre. They search Louvre tour, they find, us and they leave their review, review for their of company. the museum, and I yeah. spend a month trying to find out who they are and realizing they're not with us and getting them removed. So it's like difficult to do. Uh, Google, you couldn't even do that. Like I have people like they find my address and they think it's a restaurant and they review the restaurant one star for my tour. I can't even talk to someone at Google. It'll just stay there. So it's just I don't. It's scary. It's annoying. TripAdvisor is um, in our business. I don't, I don't know what else compares to it. Like I, it's always been the the kind of go to for for the ratings, for for travel. It's always been. Will it always stay? I don't know. But for now, that's where I you know put my eggs in that basket until that changes. Right. To be fair, I
0: thought the chicken was fantastic on your Louvre tour.
1: <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> that would drive me crazy. And it wasn't even like a review; just like a star, one star. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mona Lisa yeah. soggy chicken.
1: Yeah, it's so yeah. It doesn't it doesn't work out for me. It's not it's not precise enough. Like they're they're working a lot. They got a lot to do. They have a lot on their plate. Google, so it's fine. They'll figure it out. And uh, people who have Gmail, they get those kind of things anyway. They can leave it. We, like I said, we get reviews there anyway. But I'm not pushing for it. I think TripAdvisor has always been for us uh, kind of our bread and butter. And so why not? Let's just where it matters the most. Let's let's push everything there.
0: You know what honestly has been really inspiring about this conversation is it's all revolved around essentially you sticking to your guns and being a bread and butter company. You know what you are about. you know what works, and you do it phenomenally well, but it doesn't sound like you're getting terribly distracted with all of these different trends or changes or new platforms or new ways of doing business.
1: No, well, maybe maybe I'm just I mean very stubborn, but I think <laughs> I don't think it's luck. I mean, I don't think so. I think it's just, yeah, it it never, there never was a point where it was like, so yeah, sometimes you can open a, a tour or create a tour and it'll take a little longer to take off, but it's weird because I don't remember a point removing a tour because, oh, it's just, you know, it's not pulling its weight. No, no, no. Maybe it'd take a year, but eventually it'll start getting traction. Because you have to believe in in the item. You know why you went through the trouble of creating this product. There's a reason. There's something there. But it's a little off the beaten path. So whether you're going to have to really sell customers on it through other tours they take or wait to get enough reviews to get some traction with an algorithm. What do I care? It'll sit there. And when it's ready, it's going to be ready. We know it's a great product. So, yeah, as long as you have a few what I call anchors, right? The Louvre is an anchor. The Met in New York. Those are your anchors. From there you have a customer for for life they'll they'll follow you any city and any other tour that they can maybe have time while they're there to do they're gonna they're gonna do it um if they know that you're backing the product this guy's gonna give the tour or says i'm not there but oh my colleague she knows even more than me about that museum so you gotta go i mean cancel everything so yeah it, it happens but you do need the anchor you can't just offer obscure absurd tours and expect it's going to have, you know, traction. It takes time for those, you know, off the beaten path, deep cuts.
0: I love that. Arno, last question. Have there been any mentors, books, websites, things that have influenced or that you lean on and you uh, have really helped you in your business that would help our fellow tourpreneurs?
1: My dad is an artist, painter since... Till today, all day, eighteen hours a day, he's drawing, painting, and um, people always ask him what his uh, inspiration. What's your greatest inspiration? You know, what inspires you? What gets you up? What gets you putting the pen to the paper every day? And he would always say, uh, he would quote the Alfred Hitchcock film Rear Window, and there was a musician who played the piano, and they would say, you know, what inspires him? play that music grace kelly says what inspires him to wake up and create such beautiful things and then um jim stewart says uh he he gets the inspiration from the landlord at the end of the month it's just you gotta pay the bills you know come on put the fire under your ass get out there get going get motivated and it can be hard as hell some days but uh handle your shit sorry you know that's it. I stopped listening to podcasts. I stopped doing uh, just the meetings on, what was that app that everyone's, I don't know if they're still on that app. Clubhouse. Oh, that's dead. I stopped. No, I mean, that was so depressing. Like people are just there just like crying to each other. And so I stopped reading the news. I stopped watching the news. I mean, okay, I know what's happening, but enough focus on you and getting things right. And that little guy and his brother and the family and, and, you know, pandemic, it was a big wake up call, you know, it's like, okay, well, we got to look out for the future here and we can't let this kind of thing happen again. So we're super motivated, but I didn't really need any books or any kind of inspiration besides just, you know, get it done. Let's not let that kind of thing put us in a horrible position. It was really tough. Misha, you know, it was like crazy. And no one, I always complain. No one talked about our business. You know, there's always hotels, restaurants, like airlines. Was like, come on, it's like it was crazy. You know, these guys, they don't do anything else. Like, this is their, that's their life. They, they're like crazy, like teachers. You know, oh, we cared about teachers, but like it's insane. So it was really sad and really messed up. And I really just want to do everything right and put everything in place to try and, you know. I don't know if I have to open 100 cities instead of 10 cities, but whatever it'll do to not let that kind of thing affect us that way again, it was really upsetting. So, yeah, I kind of stopped. I kind of tuned out from all the noise. I did the opposite thing to keep it going and to keep inspired. I just tuned out and I said, look, uh, follow what's important. Get it done.
0: We'll leave it at that. Brilliant. Arno, thank you so much for being on, Tourpreneur. Thank you,
1: Mitch. Let's catch up soon.